Good morning, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Obsidian Achievement. This is your host, Mike Russin. So we had our contest. We do have a winning topic. However, I'm going to do a speed run of all submitted topics. So you guys are in for, that's me cracking my knuckles, you guys are in for a treat today. So strap in, strap down, get ready. We are about to have some fun. Okay. So getting into it. So the first topic here is managing money and business. Listen, this is very easy. This is very, very easy. Managing money and business is about two things. Number one, it's about keeping your personal life expenses level. So when you start a business, you get into a business for yourself and you start making a shit ton of money, this is what most people do is they start to spend, they raise their personal expenses. So they buy a new car, they buy a new house, they buy a new condo, they buy this, they buy that, they, they buy all of these things, they buy belts and shoes and watches and clothes. And what happens is they start to hit adversity like I see this all the time with new guys in the business. Like they'll come in and they'll start making a bunch of money and then they hit their first dirt dose of adversity and they have nothing to show for it except for stupid shoes, belts, watches, and cars. Like keep your personal life expenses level when you start making money. Any excess cash should be reinvested into your business. So in other words, if I was able to live off of $3,000 a month before and I'm making 10 now, like that extra seven seriously, that extra seven, I think four should go into savings and taxes. And then the other three should go right back into your business. Like if you are not reinvesting profit back into your business, you're never going to grow. You should always be reinvesting money back into your business. So like now I own, let's see, two, three companies and I'm starting a fourth company now, a new media company. And you know, what, what's interesting about this is, you know, where I'm basically going to just spit some fire, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to start getting some more media out there, uh, with what I have to say. And, uh, you know, every single dime I'm making from these companies right now is being reinvested. I have not, you know, last week I won't share specifics, but last week I made a good amount of money, you know? And last week, all my money went back into my businesses. I didn't take a trip. I didn't buy a new freaking belt. I didn't buy new shoes. I didn't go out and start car shopping. All of my money went right back into my business. My profit got reinvested. So how do you manage money in business? You keep your personal expenses low and you reinvest as much of your profit back into your business as you can. Um, if you have questions regarding your specific business, reach out to me and I'll let you know how to spend your money. Money. Worst case, you should be investing it, like outside of your business. Like if you want to play around with some investments and Robinhood and crypto and NFTs and whatever, like make sure you're investing your money and stop buying clothes and shoes and watches and belts. You look like an idiot. Oh, I need my drip. No, you don't. You're in a, well, you're dripping money out of your bank account. You know what I mean? It's just it's ridiculous. So that's how you manage money in business. Um, Let's check that off. Building a team of high performers. Building a team of high performers. All right. So building a team of high performers, very, very simple. Be a high performer yourself. That's it. That's the beginning and the end of the answer. When we look at uh, John Maxwell's five levels of leadership, you have per position, permission, production, people development, and pinnacle. So if you guys want to learn about that, you can read his book, The Five Levels of Leadership by John Maxwell. You know, position and permission are relatively weak levels. Um, production is when you start to get into relatively stronger levels. But here's the thing. You can't get to level four and five, like five 
have commanding the most respect and four commanding the second most respect because people are allowing themselves to be developed by you until you get three. And people will not follow you. High performers with a lot of talent will not follow you unless you're a high performer yourself. You could be a slick talker. You could be a hustler. But I'm telling you right now, if you're not getting the results, people will not follow you. So how do you become a, a leader of a team of high performers? First, ask yourself, am I a high performer? Am I a high performer? If the answer to that question is yes, awesome. Now you just start developing skill sets. Now you just make it intentional to put one-on-one -on -one development with your teammates in your schedule every single week. 10 to 12 hours a week of one-on-one -on -one development. You know, there's group development, there's workshops, there's classes, but what's going to help somebody more other than hands-on development is going to be one-on-one -on -one development for sure. So number one, ask yourself, am I a high performer? And then number two, work one-on-one -on -one development. Uh, into your schedule with your people where you actually sit down mano a mano and teach them what you know. And then inspect what you expect. So you teach them the skill set, you cut them loose. You need to make sure that you're inspecting that they're doing what you said. Like it's that simple. You need to inspect that these people are doing what you taught them to do. So that is building a team of uh, high performers. Leveling up from a team leader to a department manager. Leveling up from a team leader to department manager. I'm going to go back to something we just talked about, which is the five levels of leadership. So we have position, permission, per, uh, production, people development, and pinnacle. Position is title leadership. I have this title and thus you must listen to me. This is the weakest level of leadership and it commands the lowest uh, respect. Like people might be forced to respect you or pretend to respect you, but they won't actually respect you. So the biggest thing when you get a big promotion and you get a new title is not to lead from that title, is not to lead from that title. So you have to go back to the other four levels, permission, which is getting people to follow you because they want to, production, which is getting people to follow you because you get the results, people development, people following you because you've made them a better person and pinnacle people following you uh, because of who you are and what you stand for. So my question to you is, you know, going from team leader to department manager, do people actively choose to follow you? Because you set a good example. Production, do people follow you because you get results? You get the job done. You show up early, you stay late, you get the results. Do people follow you because you develop them? Do you make them a better person? Or do you have scheduled like time where you're sitting down with these people, working with them one-on-one? -on -one? And then pinnacle, do you represent the type of leader that people do want to follow intrinsically as a person? Like that's my question to you, man. Going from team leader to department manager, that's that's my answer rather is that you need to focus on being a good person uh, and being likable and building relationships. Uh, so working on charisma, asking good questions, learning about people's lives. You need to lead from the front with results. You need to have one-on-one -on -one development with these people worked into your schedule and then you need to model in every way in every area of your life what a true leader should model, which is character, integrity, patience, love, I mean, the list, trustworthiness, the list goes on. Great question. Taking losses and turning them into a positive. The easiest way to do this is taking a loss and turning it into a positive is realizing that everything in life is a lesson to your benefit. Instead of saying, is this happening? Like a lot of people say this is happening to me. You need to change that internal rhetoric to this is happening for me. So this is not happening to me. This is happening for me. 
This is a blessing that this is happening to me. What lessons can I take away from this situation? So every time, and I've been dealt a great deal of losses recently, man. And in every single situation, I was telling a young man this morning, you know, he's struggling with some confidence issues and he, you know, he's worried about getting certain things done. And I said, bro, just like when, when my life took a turn recently, I didn't sit around and say, oh no, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, no, I said, what do I need to learn from this? And now I'm going to move forward with these new lessons and this new wisdom. And I'm going to smash the next couple things in my life. You know what I mean? So like, I think the biggest thing is here is understanding, you know, turning a loss to a victory is learning the lesson from the loss, being thankful for the lesson. That's huge. Having gratitude when it comes to these lessons and then moving forward unabashedly into the next challenge with this new wisdom, with this new knowledge. Another great one, work-life balance. Uh, work-life balance is bullshit. Work-life balance is bullshit. It doesn't exist if you want to be great. You know, I don't think Kobe Bryant ever talked about work-life balance. And I'm not bashing the person that asked this question. This is just I need to reframe your thinking. You know, I don't think Michael Jordan talked about work-life balance. I don't think Tom Brady talks about work-life balance. I think it's more blending. You know, this is something I got from my mentor in the life insurance business, Simon, is that we need to learn how to blend. You need to learn how to blend, which means that, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, you know, and you've got gaps in your schedule, use those gaps. You know, people tell me I don't have any time. That's bullshit. Here, here's the thing. How many hours are there in a week? 268? I don't remember. It's 24 times 7 Whoa, what did I do? 24 times 7. Yeah, 168. Sorry. So 168 hours a week. So 168 hours a week. If you sleep seven hours a night, seven days a week, that's 49 hours. So we subtract 49 hours. Now, let's say you work 80 hours a week. 80. That still leaves you with 39 leftover hours. That's sleeping seven hours a night, working 80 hours a week. Okay. So let me ask you a question. What the hell happened to those other 39 hours? Well, I don't have time. I don't have time. I've got this. I've got kids. I've got a wife. I've got blah, 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 blah. Like show me the circumstances you're dealing with and I'll show you somebody that's got similar or even worse quote unquote circumstances that's beating your ass. And the reason is they're much more scheduled. They're much more regimented. So when it comes to work-life balance, it doesn't exist. It's a work-life blend. It's a work-life blend, meaning that, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, if you've got some free time in the middle of the, of the day, are you calling your wife? Are you calling your spouse? Are you sending flowers? Are you scheduling lunch dates? Are you doing things to be different? Like, like if you want to like live a different lifestyle, sometimes people only apply that to their work. You also need to apply that to your relationship. Like if you increase your game when it comes to your work, let me ask you this. Are you increasing your game when it comes to your relationship with your kids? Are you increasing your game? when it comes to your relationship with your spouse. And the easiest piece of advice I can give to you for this is to get it in your damn schedule. It's not going to happen if it's not scheduled. Schedule in date nights. Schedule in lunch dates. Schedule in play dates. You know, I watch my mentor, Simon, who has like four or five kids now do this, man. Like, Everything's scheduled. Everything's regimented. This dude's running three or four businesses in real estate, running a, 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 a nonprofit organization. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no excuse. You need to have things scheduled in. So remove the work-life balance. That's a middle-class 
term from your vernacular entirely. There's no such thing as balance. It's called blending, blending things together, being able to blend your days, being able to blend your family into your days, being able to blend your hobbies into your days, being able to blend the things that you like to do into your days. Man, dude, I've got four companies. I'm still going to find time to fish. I'm still going to find time to spend time with my wife. I'm still going to find time. And then this is the biggest thing is that maybe you need to look at removing things that no longer serve you and removing people that no longer serve you. So no work-life balance, baby. Work-life blend. Mental speed run to full-blown existential panic attack. Uh, oh, boy. You know, I don't know if I can go down this rabbit hole right now. I'm already starting to get anxious. I think I feel the, the panic attack coming on. I mean, let's just think about this, man. I mean, uh, where do I start? You know, just think about the possibility that you even exist and then think about the possibility that the universe, you know what I've been thinking about recently are parallel universes, that how, you know, there are an infinite amount of parallel universes that run parallel to each other, which is redundant to say, but it's the easy, like imagine like blinds, like window blinds, but they're infinite and they run pa parallel to one another. So it's like the, the differences between this universe and then the one right next to you the one directly next to this universe might be like i'm drinking out of my my coffee right now with a blue straw and the, it's pink in the next universe over and that's the only difference but what's interesting is that as you get farther away from the next universe or over the differences get more and more drastic so we go out one billion universes i could have three legs three eyeballs and i could be a janitor at a at a freaking uh, facility that makes uh, that makes plugs for walls. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, man? Dude, you start playing around with some of this stuff. You start going down these wormholes, man. You start going down these theories that people have about the universe and, and the way things work. How about the brain and the vat theory? How about the theory that you're right now, that you're laying on a cold table in an alien spaceship and your entire life has been a simulation, man. I'm really starting to get sweaty right now. I don't know about you guys, but man, this is, this, this is terrifying. This is absolutely terrifying. This is a good thing. It's a good thing I'm a Christian and I believe in God and creation and Jesus because if I didn't have that belief system, which is the one truth, if I didn't have that belief system, I don't know what the hell I would think about life. I would probably sit around and do nothing all day because I, I think I would descend into nihilism, believing that nothing is important. And nothing is real or meaningful. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to pause here because I'm starting to get sweaty. Uh, and I, I've got tears in my eyes for no reason. All right. So there's your mental speed run into a full-blown existential panic attack. Uh, all right. New world order. <laughs> These are one, almost one in the same. New world order. Okay. So I think it's very clear that there are a there's a small, 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 small collection of super rich elite people, super wealthy elite people that we don't even know their names. I'm talking even above Rothschild. And ultimately, I think they want us all to be cattle. And what I mean by this is you think about cattle on a dairy farm. <clears throat> you know, they just produce milk and then they're slaughtered, you know. Uh, all in the sake of making money, you know, and I love cattle. Listen, done humanely, cattle farms are 100%. I'm not, this is not, you guys know me, I love meat, I love milk. Done humanely, cattle farms are absolutely necessary. But there are some, like, think about factory farming, you know, the horrific conditions. That I do not agree with. That I loathe with every, and I don't think not eating meat is the answer, you dumbass vegans. That's why you look like you're 70 years old and you're 27 and your hair's falling out. I'm saying that, 
Please stop being vegan if you're listening to this. It's literally the most unhealthy thing you could do for your body. But anyways, you know, I think about like these factory farms and I think that's what they want to do with us. They want to have us locked in pods where you need like social currency to get out and like experience the world and the world's going to be completely mechanized. It's going to be completely commercialized, which it pretty much already is. You're going to eat bugs and soy and they're going to feed you pornography and entertainment and video games. And you're just going to like, this is this. You're just going to be a, a cattle and they're going to give you some bullshit virtual job that keeps the cogs in their machine moving to make them money. That's what it is. You're going to be a fat, gross bag of blood sitting in a pod eating bugs and like these, these dry food bars, tofu food bars, working on a computer, another cog in the machine for these people. Because I'm telling you right now, all the normal jobs that you see right now are going to be automated. Like most of the, like there's going to be very little to no customer service jobs anymore in retail and food or anything. Everything's going to be fully and completely automated here in the next couple of decades. I'm telling you right now. So what you're going to do, and I think it's going to come down to universal basic income, which they're already testing with trans people. <laughs> what the hell? What is this place? Take me, Lord Jesus. They're, they're, they're already testing this with trans people out in California. There's going to be a universal basic income to where if you don't even work, you just sit there and watch your porn and your shows all day long and be a good boy or a good girl and keep your mouth shut. You know what I'm saying? It's not good. You know, you just see the, the, this, these, and this, the, the pedophilia is coming more and more into light. And I can tell you where this, this is what they did. What they did was... It started with feminism because when you, because what is, what is feminism? It's a fund, it's attack, it's an attack on the nuclear family, okay? That dad, there should be a mom and a dad. Dad is the head of the household and the breadwinner. Mom takes care of the kids. Kids grow up happy and healthy. Now, don't get me wrong. These people that came from these, these structures that, these patriarchal structures that were abused, there's bad experiences with everything, but it's mostly good. It's mostly good. So you see these, this started with feminism, which, you know, oh yeah, we're women. We, you know, this is how we express our, our value as being more like men. You realize that's what it is. Feminism is LARPing as a man. Well, we can do everything men can do. Like if you were a true feminist, you would want to be as feminine as you possibly could. It's in the word. It's in the word. Feminism. Feminine. Saying you would want to be as feminine as possible. If I'm a feminist and I care about being a, a woman, I would be as womanly as possible, which means I would do what God blessed me to do, and that's have children and raise children. Does this mean you can't have hobbies in a career? No, but it's so funny that you think that that's freedom. Oh, I don't need my husband to tell me what to do, but what I do need to do is go sell my life for $25 an hour to another man who's making money off of me and demands what I do all day long. Oh, yeah, yeah, stick it to the man. There you go, ladies. You figured it out. You realize how stupid you are? You realize how stupid some of you are? You got sold this bullshit dream. So what happened is the nuclear family starts falling apart. Now you got this sexual revo revolution, which, which you know, has turned into people just chopping their genitals off and fucking animals, okay? And now, now you got furries. You got people that are sexually attracted to animals. You got anime porn. You got, like, 
Dude, now now people, kids, the kids, you know how many people are turning? Look at the Maxwell case, dude. Look at the Maxwell case. They never released any of the names of these people that were buying and selling children. And you're just going about your day. Wake up in the morning, get your Starbucks coffee, go clock in, work. You, you don't give a shit. You know why? Because they've made you comfortable. You're so comfortable, you don't care about children being bought, sold, and raped. You know, what's funny is there's all this virtue signaling with BLM. Like, oh, we were slaves 200 years ago. God, we, there needs to be reparations and BLM. What about the kids? And it's happening right now. You don't give a shit. You know why? Because you're a virtue signaler. You are. You are a virtue signaler. You care more about what happened 200 years ago than you do right now. Right now. As if that was the only time in human history that slavery exists. You know why? Because it's easy to pick and choose and it's easy to virtue signal and it's a fad and it's cool to put that BLM sticker on your car or put a black square on your Instagram profile and, and, and convince yourself that you're making a positive change in the world. Oh, God, man. And, and you know, some of you will, will do, do you agree with slavery? No. But I even more disagree with the current slavery of children and raping that's happening right now. Right now. Not 200 years ago. It's crazy to me. Blows my mind. So now, here we are. We're all comfortable. We're fat. We got our Netflix shows. We got our porn on demand. We get food delivered to our, our house. You don't have to, have to go out of the house anymore. That's why people love COVID. People love COVID and are so afraid of COVID ending. And we're so afraid of mandates ending, not because they were afraid of COVID, because they were afraid of having to go be a real fucking person again. Disgusting. So there's your new world order. Super elite going to have you all in pods eating bugs. I'll be long gone. Trust me. Whether that happens in my lifetime or after either it's going to happen a couple hundred years from now and I'll be dead. Or if it happens in my lifetime, I will be dead because I will die on that hill. Anyways, we went down a little rabbit hole there. That's Sam's fault for the mental speed run. You guys understand how I got set up for that, right? All right. Um, portraying uh, strengths and success through action. Man, I, you know, this question actually kind of confused me for a second, but this was the second place finalist. Portraying success and strength through action. I mean, just take massive action. You know what I mean? Like people don't like everything is fake right now. Everything's fake. Like uh, you look on social media right now, 90% of the people that you think are rich don't have any money. Okay. They don't. So what's interesting is, is that you should worry less. Please tell me that paused. Oh my God. Okay. Somebody just called me somehow got through my DND. Peter. Almost blew my whole podcast. You should be less worried about outward appearances and more worried about the work that you're putting in daily. I think the best way to display strength and success is just to show up and put in the work day in and day out. Show up and put in the work day in and day out. And you know what? At the end of the day, only you know how hard you worked and how effective you were. And here's the thing. Like these people will talk about grinding nine to nine, you know, seven days a week, 80, 100 hour weeks, bro. And it's like, it's not even about how much you work anymore. It's more about how effective you are with how you work. You know, some of the wealthiest people on the planet probably only actively work maybe 20 to 25 hours a week. You know what I mean? So what's that say about working? I, I think in the building phase, that kind of a grind is necessary, but like, 
you know, or if you're in the, a certain industry, like a restaurant industry, I don't know. But at the same time, I argue with the, you know, delegation and development of other people around you. Like, I, I feel like if you've been in business for like four or five years and you still have to do 80 to 100 hours a week and you're still doing the things that you were at the beginning of your business, you haven't learned, you haven't grown, you haven't learned how to develop other people. You know what I mean? So I think that you just need to be under uh, understand your situation and understand what hard work in your situation looks like and put that in every single day. All right, it's been 23 minutes. I think we hit nearly every topic. I'll do the second episode tomorrow with the winner. Um, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Let's get it.